got back a few weeks ago that covers the book of James and open to the first chapter of James again, but today we're going to begin in verse 19. Um, doing a preaching series on James' real faith. Real faith is faith that is lived out. It's one thing for me to stand up here and tell you I have faith. It's another thing to show you that I have faith. The first week we looked at real faith in suffering. We looked at the persecutions of the early church, how that they would have scattered about across the land because of the persecution that hit, but they still stood strong telling the word of God wherever they went standing. Today we have minor sufferings according, you know, in comparison with theirs, but we still need to stand in difficult times. Week number two, we looked at real faith in sufferings, how that the persecutions of the early church, we looked at the first four major persecutions in the book of Acts and how rough they were. They still stood strong during that. Week two, as I said, we looked at real faith through temptations. We looked at the nature of God, how that God does not tempt anyone to sin. It's not in Him. And the nature of the temptation that it must be controlled <clears throat> or it will lead to sin. And then we looked at the nature of sin, how that the process continues to take us down that path to destruction. Living out our faith and not falling prey to the temptations of sin. Today, week number three, we're going to look at real faith through obedience to the Word. That's the reason we spent a lot of time talking about our growth in the Word of God and, and how important the Word of God is. We live in an information age today. People have so much information and people want to be heard. If you don't believe they want to be heard, let me stand up here today and say something very confidential uh, and, and very uh, much debated and before you get home it'll be on Facebook. I mean, that is, people want to be heard. They want to voice their opinion, whether it's politics, church, or whatever, you know. Uh, I looked up some statistics. Uh, the number of text that is sent is 100 billion texts every single day. That amounts to 6 trillion texts a year. The number of Facebook uh, that postings, Two, 250 billion hours per day spent on Facebook with, six, with uh, 350 million of them being photos. Can you imagine? You love yourself so much you want everybody else to see you, you see? And when it comes to emails, <clears throat> there is sent 124.5 billion business emails every day and 111 billion consumer emails every day. Man, that's a lot of information being thrown out there. And it's not always good information. I used to love to read books. I would settle down and read books for hours at a time. Donna used to say I couldn't get in a car and take a 10-minute ride with her that I didn't have a book reading it. Now, because of the information age, the text, the emails, and everything that comes, I can't read a book more than 10 minutes at a time. And I find myself scanning the book more than actually reading the book. That's because I'm being bombarded with so much information. Wouldn't it be something if we were bombarded with the Word of God that way? That everywhere we turn, somebody was quoting or testifying or preaching or teaching about the Word of God very sincerely. Now as we read these verses, I want you to keep in mind the topic is obedience to the Word. Okay, would you pray with me one more time? 
Our Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, you'd open our eyes and our ears and our heart to receive your word today, that God, it'll make a difference in our life, because that's where we're going with this message today, how much of a difference the word of God can make in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible is more than just mere information. Uh, you know, when the kids are small, we read storybooks to them about the Bible. We read to them about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And read, read to them about little David boy and his sling. We read to them all these great stories of the Bible that they get information. But as we grow older, we need to understand that the Bible is much more than information. There's something different about this book right here than any other book upon the face of the earth. Number one, it's the only book God wrote. That's pretty big right there, right? And it's called the living word. There's not another book out there that will live like the Bible as it gets in your heart and changes you and motivates you and you see the word of God coming out in your life. Man, it's awesome to see the word of God alive and well in our communities and in our churches and in our lives. So let's look at how real faith that receives the word. Verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and sufflerity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. First, in that few verses right there, understand we need to receive the implanted word, the engrafted word of God, as a King James said. We need the Bible to get into us. When we got to get in the Bible, but it doesn't do any good until the Bible begins to get in us, right? So that's what we're looking at here, the engrafted Word of God. Our verse is that, that uh, supplements this is 1 Peter 1.23, being born again. Are you glad you're born again? Say amen. Come on, be excited, church. God's good. The Word of God birthed you into the family of God. Be happy about that. I know I was talking to Vicky coming back here. Chris is smiling so much lately. And they said he's smiling because he took, the doctor took him off some medicine. I said, man, if the doctor would take us off, General Baptist, off some medicine, we could smile, couldn't we? Well, that's what we need to do. The Word of God. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. There's that living Word of God. The Word is a good seed on prepared ground in a heart that produces life, eternal life, and living life if we receive it with, there's a word in there, meekness. We don't receive it, think we knowing more than the Bible. We don't receive it with pride, but we come and receive it with meekness. An openness saying, Word of God, speak. Lord, pour it out like rain on my heart. God, speak to me. And that growth process begins with that engrafted Word of God in your heart. Secondly, here in this few verses, it says, Be swift to hear. Be swift to hear the Word of God in verse 19. Now, our supplemental verse that I'm giving you is Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need a hunger for the Word of God. We, we need to know that it's truth, that it's a light to our path. 
that it, it guides our footsteps kind of like a road map. And we need to receive it so much like we go back to the Old Testament. I was passing by Donna's classroom this morning with the little kids and they're talking about Nehemiah rebuilding that wall. Well, when that wall was being rebuilt, there was another prophet on the scene at the same time by the name of Ezra. And Ezra, his job was not working on rebuilding the wall. He was rebuilding the house of God, the temple. And boy, he stood out at one of the gates of the city. It was called the Water Gate. And he began to open the Word of God and people by the groves just gathered around him. And from daylight to dark, man, he stood out there and read of the Word of God. And they wouldn't let him sit down. They wouldn't let him stop because the Word of God meant something to them. And they didn't have all the completeness we have in the New Testament. They just had the words of the prophets. And they were hungry. This isn't fairy tales. This isn't just good thoughts or stories. It's the Word of God that lives. We need to be swift to hear it. Then once we need to be swift to hear it, thirdly, verse number 19, we need to be slow to speak. You mean, what are you talking about? Shouldn't we share the Word of God? No, he's going in a different direction here. Being slow to speak means we need to be slow about contradicting the Word of God. It has no contradiction. We need to be slow about condemning the words of God's book. There is no condemnation in the word of God. I mean, it's special. Let me give you your supplemental verse in Proverbs 17, 27. He that has knowledge, now knowledge means knowing something, okay? He that has knowledge spareth not his words, and a man of understanding is, in an ex, is of an excellent spearing. Digging deeper into the meaning here, people often, often argue the relevance of the Word of God. Like, hey, we know what God meant. God didn't really mean that. This is what God meant. No, that's not relevant. I shared with you a couple of Wednesday nights ago about what was going on in the Methodist church movement right now about the split of the church, how the, probably half of them is going to be what's called the traditional Methodist and the other half is going to be the United Methodist and their disagreement and how the one bishop of a pastor that uh, some of our family knows happened to say, or one preacher pastor happened to say the bishop is already conducting gay marriages. Her bishop is already ordaining gay within the ministry of their church and he said I talked to him about uh, the word of God and he said the word of God isn't relevant today it was written over 2,000 years ago it has no meaning for today and said so the pastor looked at him and said you mean to tell me that the same word of God that saved me is not relevant for me to live by he said that's absolutely right don't we live in a sad state right now in the church don't we really live in a sad state? We need to dig straight in it, not speaking contrary to the Scripture, but accepting it for what God said. And then fourthly in these few verses, he says, calm down. He said, be slow to wrath. Uh, begins with a prepared heart of the engrafted word. And then we have to put aside that anger. Anger at what God's saying to us. Anger about what somebody else has said to us or done to us. And all of those things stop the work of the God, the work of the Word of God in our life. We can't receive the Word of God when we're angry at the person sitting next to us. We can't receive the Word of God with its fullest when you and your spouse has had a fight on the way to work, to church. Is it work? It is work. On the way to church? I mean, you, you can't get that. We need to, he's saying, lay aside that sinful action and let the word of God be implanted in our heart and live by it. In other words, put it all aside. He says uh, pretty well, receive it, be swift to hear it, 
go ahead and don't talk in contrary against it. Speak for it and put yourself aside. That is real faith when we receive the word. Now let's go to some more verses. Real faith is also that which practices the word. Not just hears it, but practices it. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. In other words, if your, your ESV says living intently as a natural, you know, looking intently at his natural face into a mirror, okay? Then verse 24, For he beholdeth himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway he forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doings there. You see, it's not enough just to hear the word of God. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, I want to tell you an illustration. I was Googling, getting ready to prepare a little extra here. And I googled the heaviest person in the world. And I found out that the heaviest person in the world weighed 1,400 pounds. 1,400 pounds. All he could do was lay in bed. Somebody had to feed him. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't get out of the bed. Uh, he, he couldn't get through the doorways even if he could. He just laid there and experienced no life at all except being fed. Did you know that's a pretty good illustration of today's churches? We come to church and we hear sermon after sermon. Sometimes we even get so uh, caught up that we might listen to a sermon later on the radio or on our iPad or through our phone or whatever. And, 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 and we hear so much preaching and so much teaching. And boy, we just take it all in and we just sit here and get fat. We never get up and do anything. We never exercise from what we're always taking in and never putting anything out. Isn't that amazing? You think about the service. Now, these contemporary churches that are everywhere around us, oh, they're big on doing. Oh, they get out and they feed the hungry. And they get out and, and they go on the street corners and they do this and do that. And us traditional churches, people like us, who focus on the Word of God as being primary, who are fundamental in our belief, sit here and do nothing many times, don't we? There's a big difference there. We've got to act upon what we hear. So that faith that comes into our life, we need to put into practice here. You know, one, one person said, what? You know, we argue about translations of the Bible, right? You got your ESV on your, your spiritual journal because that's all I could get it in. Uh, most of us will carry a King James. That's what we grew up with. That's what we trust in, you know. And we read that. And we argue about, well, I don't like your translation. Well, I don't like your translation. One guy said, well, what translation do you live? live? What, what translation do you like the best? He said, I like Mama's translation the best. He said, what kind of translation did Mama use? He said, I don't know, but she followed it. She had a doer translation. That's what kind of Bible makes a difference. It's kind of like you could read at home. You may be like a, do you have a shelf with your cookbooks on it, ladies? How many you got? Dozens. Do you ever use them? They look good on the shelf, don't they? And boy, if you open them up, 
Oh, let me tell you, some of the prettiest recipes. I mean, you wonder, could I ever prepare something that looks that good? The problem is, we're reading them all the time, but we're never cooking from them, right? That's a lot like the Word of God. We've got to experience to stop talking and listen and act on it. Now, the first step here is to take an examination. It talks about here, it uses a mirror or a glass. The main reason you would look into a glass or a mirror, would you see, is my face clean? Is my makeup on straight? You know, have I shaved and missed a spot? If I got a hair out of place, we're looking in there to see what we, we're actually looking in there, most of us, to see the flaws, to see what we've not done right, to see what's wrong. And if we go by and we say, yep, that's me, and glance in the mirror and go on, we'll never see the flaws. We'll never see our hair out of place. We'll never see that we missed a spot or anything like that. We will actually walk away and forget what we saw because we didn't see it clearly. Well, he said, I mean, it's just like this. If you were to go to a mirror and look into a mirror this morning and you see a bloody spot, a cancerous bloody spot on your face and you say, hmm, no big deal, and walk away and do nothing about it, even looking in the mirror didn't do you any good, did it? If you look in the Word of God and the Word of God's telling you to do something or not do something, and you say, hmm, no big deal, and you walk away, it's going to do you no good. Just like that cancerous spot, it's going to grow and it's going to get worse, and it's like that spot in your life spiritually, it's going to grow and it's going to get worse because you're doing nothing about what you saw. So you take an examination. The uh, supplemental verse, John 5, 39, 34, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He said, you search the scriptures where the life, the answers to life is, where eternal life is. You look into God's word and you walk away taking no action. He said, that's harmful. You cannot just take a quick glance in the word of God. You've got to meditate on the word of God. You've got to pray over the word of God. You've got to be like a cow sitting out there that's eating grass in the, in the pasture that keeps chewing and chewing and chewing. You've got to chew your cud, man. You've got to take the word of God and you've got to chew on it and chew on it and let it work and let it tell you what it wants to tell you and let it move you in the directions you need to move. That's the Word of God. We need an examination by looking deeply in the Word of God, letting it show us what we are, who we are. Boy, aren't you rejoicing on this? Oh, yeah. All right. Now, let's look at the blessing part, verse 25. You know, he says, whoever looks into it, and uh, you know, it goes right on anyway. A person following the Lord in his action is blessed. It pays great dividends to be obedient to the Lord. Let me give you your supplemental verse, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. For we all, with an unveiled and uncovered face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord... Uh, you know, what he's saying there is, 
just look into the Word of God. Just look into it and be transformed by it. And when you are transformed in it, you will be blessed. And the greatest blessing you will receive will not be a new Mercedes. It'll not be a new BMW. It'll not be a raise down at your job. It'll not be that you'll be prosperous and never be sick. The greatest blessing that you will receive from this is the fact that you will be transformed into the glory and the image of God. Should that not be what we want? Amen. That's what the Word of God does. Real faith hears the Word. Real real faith practices the Word. And it changes by the Word. Now let's look at verses 26 and 27 and we'll see how that real faith shares the Word. Okay? If any man among you seem to be religious and he bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. These verses right here in sharing the word tells us about a word that we don't see more than a half a dozen times in the Bible, the word religion, religious. You see, we don't necessarily need religion as the world talks about. We need to be religious as James talked about here under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see, most people call their belief system religion. Well, what kind of religion are you? Well, I'm, bad. I'm, I'm, I'm Christian. I'm, I'm Buddhist. I'm Muslim. Some people would say, well, I'm Baptist. Wasn't that great? Baptist is your religion. Boy, you need help, okay? I mean... Religion here, according to James, is this. It's an outward practice of an inside move and faith. An outward practice. It's not claiming faith. It's not ceremonies. It's not a word or a description or a denomination or anything like that. Being religious simply means you're living out your faith in practice. So if any of you seem to be religious, if any of of us even think we're religious, what do we do? James tells us. First, we need to be religious in our speech. He said if you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is vain. He's telling here that the tongue reveals what's in the heart. If your heart is right with God, your words will come out right for God. If your heart is not where it needs to be in touch with God, your words will come out that way. Here's my supplemental verse here, Matthew 12, 34 and 35. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, he bringeth forth good things. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. In other words, if your heart's right, your speech will be right. If you spend time, a lot of time with somebody, it won't take long for you to hear them. And when you hear what they say, you'll really discover what's deep down inside of their heart. It may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years. But eventually what's in their heart is going to come out in what they speak about. So he said, out here, if you don't bridle your tongue but you think your religion, you're not right. Next is in service. He kind of describes it here as visiting the widows and the orphans and taking care of them. Uh, Words do not substitute for actions. I mean, here's, here's my supplemental verse. 
1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I just say I'm religious, but you see no fruit out of my life, if I tell you I have great faith in Christ, but you're not seeing me doers of the Word of God, then I'm not acting up to what I'm claiming as my faith. Don't, uh, don't just say you love God. Prove you love God by what you do. And thirdly, not only do we become religious in speech and in service, but in separation. Separation from the world. He said, come out and be unspotted from the world. Uh, listen to what, uh, you just don't let the world, world rub off on you. Listen to what my supplemental verse here, 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You see, we're in the world, folks. God planted us here. But we don't have to be of the world. I hope you understand that. We're in the world. We don't have to be we don't have to have the world in us. God sent us here into this world to be a light to the world. God has us here that we might be an influence and an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We're here for a reason. Are we fulfilling that? Are we allowing the world to take over our lives? Or are we taking over the world? In other words, is the world changing us? Or are we changing the world? Real faith is shared in the way here that you are telling it in speech. You are serving it out in your life and you are separate from the evil things that's going on in the world. Now you can take all of this home with you, okay? Take in the Word of God as much as possible. But when you take in the Word of God daily, hopefully, be a doer of it. Also practice the Word. Do what it says. Allow it to change you. And also share the Word. Say what it said. Do what it says. And don't do what it says not to do. How are you doing on that? How are you doing at allowing real faith to come out in obedience to the Word? There's a guy that went to his boss one day. He worked in an office situation. He told his boss he wasn't a very good worker, lazy. He told his boss, he said, Well, the reason I'm not doing a very good job is this. You've never given me a promotion. Now, if you just give me a promotion, I'll show you how good I am. Now, if you were the boss, you'd fire him, right? I mean, you don't do what you need to do in order to get a promotion. You do what you need to do because you want to do it. You don't live for the Lord in order to be patted on the back. You don't live and do for the Lord in order to be recognized. You don't even do what you do for the Lord to get a crown in heaven. You do what you do for the Lord because you love Him with all your heart and He's come into your heart by the engrafted, implanted Word of God and it's got in you and it's moved you and it's changing you into the glory and the image of the dear Son, Jesus Christ. That's why we do or should do what we do for the Lord. Now many of us, uh, we want a successful Christian life without really living it out. And you know, we want God to bless us. God, I came to church today. Bless me. Lord, I, I, I gave $20 an offering to the plate today. Lord, bless me. That's a lot like this. Now, we're going to have refreshments here in a minute for Brother Rich. And it's like me taking a big old piece of cake. And it's got icing on it about that high. 
the total calorie content, about 4,000 calories, and I have the audacity to ask God to bless it. I'm not sure he isn't laughing about that, okay? We do it all the time as Baptists. Of course, we eat all the time, right? And we don't always eat healthy food, so we say, Lord, bless this mess. And we think God's going to do it. That's like us trying to claim to be a Christian without taking in the Word of God and letting the Word of God get in us and change us. And when we say, God, bless us, it's like we're saying, God, just bless this mess. Look at me, God. I'm a mess, but bless this mess. And we're not doing anything for God to make a difference for Him. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing with the Word of God? Do you treat it, do you take it home, lay it in your... Uh, you know, we got it now on our Bible, on our phones. We got it on our iPads. Uh, we got it everywhere we look, the Word of God. But how much time do we spend letting the Word of God get into us? Let's stand and pray, okay, as you take an examination of your life. Our Heavenly Father, we've looked into the Word about the Word today. Nothing better to study the Bible than let the Bible tell us about itself. God, He's told us a lot about ourselves today. book of James is really rough. Lord, it skins us up one side and down the other as it tells us how to live right, to live out faith. And God, we don't like that. God, most of us as humans, we have human nature that sure would be nice if somebody tells how good we look. God, it sure would be nice if somebody tells us how good we are, how good we act. Lord, how wonderful we are. But God, when we look in the Word of God, we don't see ourselves that way. God, I'm not wonderful, and I'm not good-looking, and I'm not great. But God, when I look in the Word of God, I see that you are wonderful. You are glorious. You are beautiful. And Lord, I'm praying with everything within me, Lord. And I'm praying that others are as well. Lord, come into my life. Show me through your Word of God what I need to be. And Lord, allow me to be changed from glory to glory into the image of the dear Son, Jesus Christ. We want to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.